0: Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. The purpose of this podcast is to get to the real deal of what really works, and most importantly, why it works. Hence the name Method to the Madness. All right, so I'm fielding another question today, and this question was about Exercise order in strength training. Guess what, Natalie, who that question comes from? There is a method to the madness on this. There's a few methods. Before I get to that, let me thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 280 five-star reviews on Zillow, and they are number one in Volusia County. House sales have really, really cooled down. Now's the time you want to really make sure that you get the best in the industry to help you sell your home. Give them a shout, 386-451-2412. And you know, I personally vouch for them. My sponsors are my friends. They're people that I believe in. So if you need any help, give them a shout. I will get you their number. All right, so let's field Natalie's question. Is there a method to the madness on exercise order when it comes to strength training or is it just all random chaos? Well, I already told you there is a method to the madness. There is some good rules to use regarding order. There's a bunch of rules actually. So I'm going to help you walk through that a little bit. Now, the first thing we have to consider is What type of strength training workout are we doing? Are we doing a full body workout, which means that we're working all of the major muscle groups such as the glutes, the quads, the hamstrings, the pecs, the lats, the rhomboids, the deltoids, the biceps, the triceps, the transverse abdominis, the rectus abdominis, the erector spinae, and the internal and external obliques. Let us not forget the gastrocnemius and the soleus and anterior tibialis. I think we pretty much nailed them all when we're talking about all them. So are we working all of the major muscle groups in a workout, which we call a full body? Are we doing half the body, which is traditionally upper body, lower body? Or are we doing a third of the body, which you may see in some bodybuilding workouts? And those workouts may look something like this, chest and shoulders and triceps on one day, back and biceps on the next day, legs on the next day or lower body, and then it repeats. And there are even people that do single muscle groups on each day. For example, pecs only on Monday, lats on Tuesday, legs on Wednesday, shoulders on Thursday, arms on Friday. These are all ways people split up their workout. Now, I know this isn't the podcast about that, but I will say that research pretty much points to the fact that all of those systems work. It's not necessarily true that if you add a lot more volume or more volume, You're getting more out of it. For example, a lot of professional athletes are doing full-body workouts two to three times a week. It really just depends on what your goal is and how much time you have. If people like working out every day, uh, like it's their hobby, they enjoy it, and there's nothing wrong with that, then it makes sense to split that workout up so you can work out every day with weights. If you're training for bodybuilding, there are there is research that states that more volume is better, so you do want to split your workouts up somewhat. But ultimately, it doesn't really mean that one level is elite and the other level is a beginner. That's not true. There's elite among all styles and you can be a beginner no matter how you structure your days, all right? But it does matter when we're talking exercise order, all right? So If we're doing a traditional full body workout, and this rule is pretty well established even in uh, all the other forms of training splits as well, you want to start training your larger muscle groups before your smaller muscle groups. So your larger muscle groups, again, are going to be, if we're doing a full body, your glutes, your quads, and your hamstrings, they are the largest muscle groups in your body. And then your largest muscle groups of your upper body would be your pecs and your lats. Now, the reason why we go from largest to smallest is because they require the most energy. They require the most energy. So if you've been working out a while, you know that when you do leg presses and squats, that takes the most out of you because they're the largest muscle groups and you're moving them through full range of motion So you're taxing those muscles and you're taxing your cardiorespiratory system. And you also know that when you're doing your biceps and your triceps, like your dumbbell curls and your kickbacks and things like that, not that they're super easy, but they're a lot easier than working your large muscle groups. So we always want to work the muscle groups when we have the most energy. That is one of the rules. Another reason or another method to the madness reason why is because if we train the smaller muscle group before the larger muscle group, we might be creating some fatigue where we can't finish effectively or as efficiently as we want to the larger muscle group exercise. For example, let's say your goal is to have a strong bench press. And that is a goal of many young men and many men in general. Older men, all men. I had a client this morning, he jokingly said, Rob, come on, what guy doesn't like to do bench press? I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. It's one of the most favorite, famous exercises. So let's say that you want to have a strong bench press and you're training for that. Well, if you do smaller muscle groups first, for example, tricep press downs for your triceps, and front raises for your anterior deltoids those smaller muscle groups are going to be fatigued so when you go into this harder exercise you're going into it with fatigued smaller muscles now does that mean that you're not going to be able to grow no i mean actually the opposite might be true you're going to be working those difficult points even harder but it does mean you're not going to be able to use the loads that you want to because those small muscles are fatigued. And contrary to that, when you go to do the smaller muscle groups later, because they require less total energy, the effect of doing the larger muscle groups isn't going to wear them out nearly as much if you did the smaller muscle groups first. Okay. So Whether it be a full body or a split routine, one of the rules is to do larger muscle groups first. The only time that rule doesn't apply is when you are purposely doing it the other way around because you're trying to bring up a lagging body part. For example, some professional bodybuilders who are not happy with their biceps might train them before anything else. Because they want to train them with the most energy and the most focus. Because, you know, we all, we're human, right? So we're going to lose a little bit of focus as the workout goes. So they want to make sure that they're giving it their all when it's time, when it's early. They also understand that by doing that, their back exercises, like their pull ups or pull downs or rows, are going to be compromised a little bit, but they're okay with that because they're trying to train their biceps as a primary. So larger muscle groups first, unless you purposely choose to do it otherwise. Now, another rule we can use is we should train our compound or multi-joint exercises prior to our isolation or single joint exercises method to the madness. Why? They require the most skill. So we want to make sure that we have all of our energy and all of our strength when we need them. So multi-joint and compound exercises are the same thing. It's, it's just two different words or two different ways to explain what they are. It means that you are doing more than one joint at a time. So for example, a bench press is a multi-joint or compound exercise because you're utilizing both your elbows and your shoulders. A squat is a multi-joint or compound exercise because you're utilizing your hips and your knees, and in that case, your glutes, your quads, and your hamstrings. So every time we're working more than one joint, we're also working more than one muscle group. So we always want to train multi-joint exercises first. Isolation exercises are single joint exercises. An example of that would be like a leg extension which is the primary muscle group for your quads and you're only bending your knee and you're only using your quads. A pec fly exercise is a single joint or isolation exercise for your pecs and you're only bending your shoulders and you're only using your pecs. Bicep curls, Isolation exercises, tricep press down, isolation exercises. So we want to do multi-joint or compound exercises first. And remember, that's typically the larger muscle groups anyway, but also because they require the most skill. So you want to make sure that you have more energy when you do them. I mean, many would argue they are more important. And from a functional standpoint, they absolutely are. Now. All rules have a little bit of variations. Now, if we want to pre-exhaust an area, and I'll do that with people when I'm working with them to rehabilitate their knee after it's healed, of course, like we pretty much go through standard protocols when we're trying to rehabilitate. But like after that point, and we really want to say stress the quads because a lot of times with knee issues, the quads have become weakened, especially the vastus medialis, Then what I'm going to want to do is do what is called a pre-exhaust exercise. So I'm working that isolation or single joint area first, right into a compound exercise to bring up that lagging muscle group to make it work a little bit harder. So for example, I might go from a leg extension, which is a single joint into a leg press or a squat which is a multi-joint, because I'm trying to force that quad into working harder. So basically, it doesn't get any time off. It goes right from the leg extensions, the quads are burning, right into a squat or a leg press. Quads are still burning, but now they're getting the assistance of the glutes and hamstrings to help them do a little more work. So every rule has like a little caveat where you can switch it up a little bit, and that's why we would do that. But for the most part... We want to work our multi-joint exercises followed by our single joint exercises. And this doesn't matter if we're doing a full body, half body, third or singles. This rule applies very well. So let's say that somebody is doing one muscle group, like they're doing their lats, as I said earlier, on Tuesday or their upper back. So in this case, they would do their pull-ups, which is a large muscle group right the lats and the rhomboids so they're doing a compound exercise and then they might do rows which is another compound exercise but then they would go into a pullover which is an isolation or single joint exercise and then go into a reverse fly which is a single joint exercise but now the posterior deltoids which are part of that exercise are even smaller than the lats so we would do them last so both rules apply all right now there's one more rule we like to throw in with this if somebody is doing power exercises such as clean and jerk power clean snatches things that you'll see crossfitters do or olympic weightlifters and olympic weightlifting is a sport doesn't necessarily mean they're in the olympics although it is in the olympics those exercises are used in that type of sport again power cleans cleans clean and jerks and snatch so it is a powerful movement those exercises plus other form of exercises that are power based such as plyo jumps jumping up on boxes and things like that should always be done first all right so if somebody's doing that kind of a workout like let's say they're an athlete preparing for sport And they're doing all of this stuff. In other words, they're doing plyometrics. They're doing power movements. They're doing strength training traditional. You would start with the power movements first, the weightlifting movements first, like clean and jerk and snatch or box jumps or whatever. Then they would go into compound and multi-joint exercises. And then they would finish with isolation exercises. Okay. So those are like the three rules, largest to smallest, multi-joint to single joint, power to compound to isolation, Natalie. So list those. Just like you make me highlight in my music book as you're teaching me piano, I want you to go back to the show notes and highlight this because that's how we learn. And I really do appreciate the question. But now I got to finish this with like the reversal of this. Like what if all this isn't true well it is but also keep in mind that we don't always have to be so regimented like there's a time when we can violate these rules a little bit in other words i already explained the method to the madness why we do these things and in most cases it comes down to energy preservation both mentally and physically but you know there are times when things just don't work out i mean If I'm training a client and Ellen or somebody else is training a client, and all of a sudden an exercise we were going to go to, and it might have been say like an isolation exercise and it's not open. And rather than like ruin somebody else's workout or whatever, I know like it's not really a huge deal. Like the important thing is that we're working out. The important thing is that we're training. The important thing is that we're working on our form and getting better and all these things. So like we don't have to be so anal about this if things don't work out that it's not the end of the world if we just all of a sudden like go from isolation to compound because that's simply what's open in the gym. I mean, you know, if some of you work out at these big box gyms where you go and it's packed on a Monday and oh man, I got to do all of my compound first and it's like it's not working out. It's like Well, you know what? There's nobody back in the arm area and the dumbbell racks and the press down areas. You know, I'm going to start with them. I mean, come on, that's okay. So, like, I don't want you to think that it always has to be this perfect. I mean, when I write workouts for people, I always write them as perfect as I know to do. But I also always tell people look, like, the important thing is that you're doing this. So, like, if the order doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Like, there are principles that we follow that as long as we're following them, we're good. And I've, you know, I've talked about these a lot, but like over, uh, um, overload, sorry, and progression and things like that. Like if we're overloading on a regular basis, I mean, we're good. I mean, who cares if we ended up doing our barbell curls or our dumbbell curls before we did anything else? I mean, sometimes it's good just to mix it up like that. But those are the rules. Just understand that like the spirit behind the law is what's most important and you don't have to be a slave to it if it's not working out. Like I would hate for you to go to the gym. This isn't I'm not speaking directly to Natalie who asked the question here because I know she wouldn't do this. But I would hate for someone to go to the gym and go, oh, you know, all those things I was going to do first are taken. So I'm out of here. I mean, no, 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 of course not. go out of order for goodness sakes go out of order get your exercises in just know in a perfect world you would want to try to do it that way for those reasons and again mostly for energy conservation you know do the hard stuff first i mean that's a good rule of thumb for life anyway like do the hard stuff first and then like the easier stuff is those icing on the cake i mean if you're a guy who doesn't like to pump out their biceps and shoulders at the end you know high reps we do that with most people you know, maybe uh, ladies uh, are a little more focused on the abdominals or whatever. I mean, it's just the way it is. Right. And who doesn't mind doing like some crunches at the end, which is a really easy exercise. Right. So like it, it just use it. Think of it like kind of from a common sense standpoint and it should work out for you. Very good. Speaking of common sense, if you have any common sense at all, you will be using overhead door of Daytona Beach because they are the best. They have the best door and most importantly, they have the best service. I mean, that's what matters to me is customer service. Anything I buy, customer service. There's a certain big store in town that sells a lot of appliances and stuff. I'm not gonna defame them, but let me tell you, I hate to buy anything there because their customer service is so bad, right? I mean, I think a lot of you feel the same way, maybe not about the same store, but anyway, Overhead Door of Daytona Beach is the absolute best. If you ever have an issue, they're out there in a blink. And they can be reached at OverheadDoorDaytona.com.